us Americans here love drama. Well, in fact, I've got all the soap operas for you. LeBron James, Antonio Brown, and Kyrie Irving. Welcome to this week's edition of All My Children, Sports Edition. Except it's not aired on ABC. I'll tell you why next. Let's get to it. This is Seppi Podcast. And we welcome those of you again to an exciting episode again here on the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Of course, the voice of the show, myself and Will Gray, live from Virginia out there. Uh, you just saw your Virginia Commonwealth continue to to improve their resume come tournament time, right? Yeah, definitely, man. They, 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 the VCU Rams just won their 11th straight game, the 24-6. They just won their first ever Atlantic 10 Outreach regular season championship. So congratulations to, to Virginia, to the VCU Rams and, and everything. They they are playing tremendous right now, Sebi. I mean, this team is poised to, to upset some upset some teams in the tournament. And I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to go see them play, play c- compete for the Atlantic 10, 10, 10 championship next week in Brooklyn. Exciting stuff. And you'll be in Brooklyn there covering the VCU Rams in that tournament, guys. Check out um, Michael there. Um, big Mike Two Cents on his social media uh, catalogs there on Instagram, and he'll be live in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn for that. Now, I don't have the numbers here in front of me. What what, what is a VCU seating? Uh, their projection right now. Right, was... right, right now they're projected to be eight, an eighth seed. An eighth seed. Yes, that's how. Special Only an eighth seed. I, I think they're better than that. They they are, but you know this you know this is this the Atlantic Ten. This isn't like the the, the top twenty five or anything like that. One of the top, they, they're still one of the one of the top teams, but you know you know they, they have to earn that respect because you know they, it's, it's probably a lot of um, analysts out there looking at the competition that they're going against and oh they, they they they're not going against these top teams, but they've had success and and they're playing very well, and you know I, I think AFC is pretty good for them right now. They, they're only going to continue to move up as, as as the tournament goes on. The next week, they're, they're going to be higher. Trust me. Exciting stuff there. Exciting stuff. We talk about soap operas. You know, oh, it, we today's ed- edition is All My Children. <laughs> Sports edition. The only, the only difference is we're not being broadcast or aired on ABC. And, uh, you know, it's just all drama. Well. An exclusive cast of All My Children in Sports Edition. Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and of course, one of my favorite players to watch in Antonio Brown. But first, we'll start off with the King. The Lakers losing to the Clippers. They are four games under 500 right now, sitting at a 30 and 34 record in the Western Conference. LeBron James, I've got news for you. And I want all America to understand this and understand what I'm about to say right now. LeBron James, welcome to the Western Conference, where everything <laughs> and every game is earned and not given. Everything you do in the Western Conference is earned and not given. And that's one of the things that I mentioned about LeBron James going to the Western Conference. Oh, I want to go to Hollywood. Oh, I want to go to Beverly Hills. 
else. Oh, I want to start up a shop. The shop on HBO. By the way, that's an excellent show. I've watched a couple episodes on that. Excellent show. Amazing. Oh, I want to start business at a place where I can market my brand. And what other place? What better place than a king himself than Hollywood, right? Other than Fresh Prince, right? Mm -hmm. No. LeBron James wanted to go to Western Conference. I made a point, and I can recall a couple episodes early ago. I said, LeBron James, sure, you can leave, because I knew he was leaving Cleveland. But try as much as you can to stay in the Eastern Conference, because the Western Conference is a totally another, a whole another ball. LeBron James has never played in the Western Conference. Night in and night out, you have got teams that are coming for your neck. We talk about the Kings. We talk about the Jazz, the Dallas Mavericks, the Spurs, the Phoenix Suns. And and, and mind you, those are all the bottom tier teams. I haven't even mentioned the top team, the creme of the creme of the Western Conference. When you think about the Western Conference, it's kind of like Clint Eastwood, one of the greatest actors ever. The Wild Wild West. You think of the Wild Wild West. Every night is a rodeo showdown. It is a showdown where whoever pulls their their gun out and shoots them first, so like a one of those uh, Texas showdowns that you see back in the '60s and '70s. Right. It is one of those games. It one of those uh, conferences. LeBron. And, and and to me, this season has been a failure. And I'm gonna pass this to you, Mike. This year was supposed to be an evaluation for Magic Johnson and LeBron James. One of the main key pieces, LeBron James came to Los Angeles is he was a winner. And Los Angeles has always been a winner. They've gotten prize players. You talk, you think about Los Angeles, the Lake Show. You think about Showtime, Magic, Worthy. Uh, 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 you think about Kareem, Shaq and Kobe, Jerry West. If you want to go backwards, farther than that, you think about Wilt. When you think about the Lakers, they've always had that star player. And LeBron James is just trying to be one of those Laker, Laker greats. And the man excellence. This year was supposed to be an evaluation player. Yeah, evaluation year, excuse me. Magic Johnson, LeBron James. We knew that the Lakers ceiling wasn't really high given the team and the supporting cast around LeBron James. But the evaluation was, let's see where we stand against the top teams. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the Rockets, the obviously the Golden State Warriors, um, the Jazz to a certain extent. Let's see where they stand up. And right now, not even making a playoff, not only I think this will hinder LeBron James' legacy, this will be a bad thing. And expect this, Mike, expect all of this to be blown up by the by this summer. Luke Walton, you're out of there. Without question. Magic Johnson. And Jeannie Bush demands excellence. Mm-hmm. This is a lake, one of the more premier franchises in, in all of sports, not even in not even in the NBA. Luke Walton, they're gonna blow up everything. As far as I'm concerned, everybody is on the trading block out not named LeBron James. And that includes Kyle Kuzma, who has been their second, their best player outside of LeBron James and their second best player. Everybody's on the trading block. And I think they're just about to blow this up because the Lakers right now are in dysfunction and disarray I mean Mike if you're Genie Buss and Magic Johnson where do you go from here that's a tough question because it's it's a lot of things outside of outside of actually the play on the court that's 
that's the reason why this team is struggling right now. You have man, you have management uh, issues with uh, Magic and Genie, and you know issues with LeBron and his leadership, and issues with these young players possibly getting traded, getting getting traded midseason. Then all of a sudden having having the, uh, uh, these expectations of having to help help get this team to the playoffs after they're not even knowing that they're going to be here. It's, it's a it's a dysfunctional uh, distraction, like you said, and. It's one of those tough situations. I, to be honest with you, I don't know where I, I don't I don't know where they go from here. But I will tell you one thing: if LeBron if LeBron James doesn't get another superstar to come play with him within these next three years, he will not win the championship in LA. He needs at least one more superstar and possibly another an, another star on the team. To, to help to help him win the championship, Le- LeBron James coming to LA, in my opinion, was more about the business side and and, uh, and and things outside of basketball. Like when it comes to basketball, it wasn't that much of a smart move because of the pieces that were around him. LeBron is one of those players that needs three and D type of players, uh, players that can shoot the three ball consistently and play solid defense on the perimeter. This Lakers team cannot play defense. Sebi, this team cannot stop me and you. <laughs> that, that, that's how bad this defense has looked consistently all season long. It's been terrible. Um, you, you, in order for the Lakers to win games, they have to score 125 points or more consistently. And to put that much pressure on your offense, you're going to struggle. And it seems like this team, this team has lost the concept of, of just basic defense, of current just switching and uh, high, um, stepping up high on pick and rolls and just basic defensive fundamentals that this team lacks right now and, and it's show it's showing on a consistent basis. And I want I want to point out and you you made a you made a great argument about the West, about LeBron going to the West. And I want to point out something that Stephen A. Smith said earlier today on first take. He said he said he made a good point when he said there are players in the West that feel like if LeBron James would have been in the Western Conference all these years, pre these previous eight or nine years, then he then it's then he wouldn't have went to eight straight finals. I, I, I agree with that. The, the, yeah, agree the, with that. The, there's a lot of players in the league that feel that way, and they feel like if LeBron, if, if we, we wouldn't be talking about LeBron in this light of oh eight straight finals and all this all this good stuff about you know appearances and stuff, and we wouldn't be having these conversations about LeBron James if he was playing in the West for the majority of his career. So I, I I agree with your point on that about LeBron James welcome to the West, welcome to the to the nitty gritty. To, to, to and the, and that's a, and that's a fair point to make, Mike, because you have to understand. LeBron James has been in the Eastern Conference that, uh, let's be honest, uh, that's that hasn't been very good outside uh, of the big three of the the, the Boston Celtics. Right. Yes, Dwight Howard had a couple good, good years, but he was by himself down there in Orlando. Right. Yes, um, you had the great years of Derrick Rose, MVP year. But outside of that, there really hasn't been any team just remotely competitive to even challenge LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, you would have had the Jazz. You would have, you could potentially have a series where you could go through the Spurs, the Jazz, and then meet either Oklahoma City, Golden State, or Houston. Think about this. Get a chance to the to, to the NBA Finals. And, and LeBron James, as great as he is, yes, he's able to do that. He's LeBron James. He's one of the best players in the world. And Everybody knows he can impact a seven-game series. But at the same time, that would be an, a paramount of, of a route to get into the NBA Finals. Now, if he gets through that, he deserves a ring. 
and, and you mentioned something about Stephen A. Smith. And in light of Stephen A. Smith, he said something about LeBron James. And if he misses his, you know, the, his uh, first playoffs since the third season out there in Cleveland back in 2006, there would be something done to his career. Let's take a listen. No. The debate never existed. There was never a debate. I've never once considered LeBron James better than Michael Jordan. I don't now, and I never will. And those who want to have that conversation, uh, the Rich Pauls of the world and some of his friends and Mav and all of these guys, they're entitled to their opinions. Uh, That's what makes the world go round. But I'm not trying to hear that. Um, Because the thing that I look at is this. LeBron James, you can look at LeBron James and his all-around skills and his physical prowess or whatever. You can make an argument that LeBron James was a better player, per se, all-around than Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan was a pure, unadulterated assassin and scorer, and LeBron James uh, brings more of a completion to his game in terms of rebounds, assists, and all of this. So you can look at it that way and say for the first 46 minutes, you know, and, and, you know, during the regular season and stuff like that over a body of 82 games, you know, he might have some kind of edge. But I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about when it really counts. I'm thinking about when money's on the line. I'm thinking about also the biggest thing for me, and that is this. What LeBron matured into, guys like MJ, Kobe, them came into the league with Mm. an assassin's mentality. Mm. I'll never forget what I hold against LeBron most in terms of his basketball game. It's an exhibition all-star game years ago mm-hmm. when ultimately before they, they had lost the finals to Dallas. The next year, they're in the all-star game. LeBron has the ball. Kobe is guarding mm-hmm. him in all-star weekend. Ain't nothing but fun. It's an exhibition. Right. Let's go. And LeBron turns the ball over, trying to throw the ball into the corner to Carmelo Anthony. Car- that was Stephen A. Smith there on LeBron James, not having the mindset of LeBron, Iverson, Magic Jordan, and, and the rest of them there. And he's got a key point. That's never been LeBron James' DNA, has it? It never has been. He's never been that assassin, that killer on the on the court. He was like, uh, player, players always felt like going against LeBron, you always have a chance. Because it, it's times where he'll let you off the hook. Michael Jordan, I, I can't speak too much on Michael because I never saw his era. I wasn't born on I, I wasn't watching basketball to see his his prime and his dominance in the NBA. So I, I normally refer to the OGs and and um, and and and, um, and people that, that actually got to see his era and see him play. And and I, I constantly get told the same thing. His his killer will, his assassin's mentality was one like no other. He didn't want to just beat you. He wanted to demoralize you. He wanted to make sure that you had no conscience. He didn't want to, if, if, if it was a duel, he didn't want to uh, put up 45 and you put up 35 to 40 himself. He wanted to put up 45 and shut you down at five to 10 points. That's the type of mentality he had. And that's the type of mentality that Kobe Bryant has. had. And, and that's the mentality that LeBron James, let's be honest, he never had it in his career. So yeah, I, I do agree with Stephen A on that point. He, it, what, what he had to come into the league with, and and I, I, what, what does Stephen A mean when he says, uh, when he came into the league growing up, 
I don't, I still don't see that assassin mentality from LeBron James, even in his 16th season. I still don't, I still don't see that go, go get him by any means. Let's, let's do it. I don't get, I don't care what's going on. Let's get this money type of mentality from LeBron James, even now. I, I still see that passive guy that, 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 that continues to let guys off the hook. I, I, I still don't see it, but, but LeBron. LeBron, growing up a kid from Akron, he right. he was raised basketball, right? Growing up from the slums, he was taught to share the ball. He was always a pass first guy. I've always said he was more magic than 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 MJ. Right. He's more of a facilitator, getting his teammates right and, and getting them going and things of that nature. But you know, just LeBron. LeBron's mindset, and I've always said this: if I win a seven-game series, and I have to pick between Magic, I mean MJ or, or LeBron, I'm taking LeBron because I think in a seven-game series, I think LeBron James can definitely impact a series, um, over the, or an overall series, because you know with with what he could do and defensively and offense. Not saying that Magic look, MJ can't. I mean MJ was. He's still to this day the only guard to win defensive player of the year. But at the same time, I think LeBron James could impact the series of us. Or, or totally and overall. Right. But in a game seven, if I ever needed to win a game, I'm taking Kobe. As a matter of fact, I'm taking Kobe <laughs> over. You know, I have no argument LeBron. with that before. I'm taking MJ over LeBron. I mean, and you have to take to this, Mike. Right. In a forty-eight game, I might take I might take LeBron for the first forty-six minutes, no doubt. But in the last two minutes, give me MJ, give me Kobe, give me Iverson, and give me some, a killer to close the game out. Because there's been this notion to LeBron James' career all around: when teams hang around, they tend to have a way to come through and just you know steal the game. Right. And and that's been LeBron James' DNA since coming into the league. Now I have a question here for you because all of LeBron James' best friends are up for grabs. Anthony Davis, up for grabs. You're hearing Boston. You're hearing Clippers before Los Angeles Lakers. You're hearing the Knicks. You're hearing the Bucks all of a sudden, but you're not hearing the Lakers. Right. You're hearing Kemba Walker, New York. You're hearing KD not wanting to go to Los Angeles uh, as a Laker. If preferred to go to Los Angeles, he'd rather be a Clipper. Kawhi Leonard has already spoken out and said he wants to play against LeBron James. Doesn't want to be a Laker, although he's from Los Angeles, out there in Compton. You're hearing all these marquee free agents. Klay Thompson not wanting to play with LeBron, although his pops want him to because of the relation with himself playing for the Lakers. You're hearing all these guys that are LeBron James friends and they're all up for grabs. And I ask yourself this. Will LeBron even get a marquee player. You're, you're saying like he's not going to win a ring without another superstar. Right. Well, is he even going to be able to get a superstar? Is Magic Johnson going to be able to learn a, or convince or persuade one of these marquee free agents in 2019 to come to Los Angeles? If you really think about this, the Lakers might just end up being, end up being as constructed or at best getting a Jimmy Butler. I see what you I see what you mean by that. Uh, I, to be honest with you, Sebi, it's going to be tough because you were, like you said, a lot of these free agents are going to come in here. They've already stated they don't want to come to LA. Sebi, Kevin Durant was right. Kevin Durant stated earlier in the season that playing with LeBron James creates a creates a toxic environment. 
And what he meant by that was media wise, um, every every move LeBron makes is is, is national news. Uh, uh, it, it causes dysfunction within the locker room, which would cause distractions, which is what the Lakers are currently going through right now. Um, it's gonna be tough, man. It's good because a lot of a lot of these a lot of these marquee players like like the fact that they kind of go under the radar, as you, as you say, as far as the media is concerned. The media it talks about LeBron James every single day. And when you're on a team with LeBron James and you're not used to that everyday uh, spotlight, that, that, that spotlight uh, every single day, then that can, can be a big distraction. and it, 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 can, it can be uncomfortable for some players and it can mess with you psychologically to the point where you're, you're not playing your full game to the, to the best of your ability. So I don't, I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't know if he's going to land a, a marquee free agent because I'm not sure if there's any outside of Anthony Davis that actually wants to come to play for for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he's not even a free agent this, uh, this upcoming summer. So to be honest with you, I don't know. Magic is gonna, I believe in Magic because Magic is a smart man and Magic is very savvy when it comes to business. So I believe in him that he will get a job, that he will get the job done as far as bringing some more help in for LeBron James. But will LeBron James get a marquee superstar that can help push this Lakers team over the hump in the Western Conference and get them to the NBA Finals and possibly win a championship? That's that's going to be tough. I, I don't I don't see that happening in the near future. I, I don't see it because there, there aren't many that will actually want to play with him. And that ideally will be the question to be determined there. Right. Folks, when we come back, myself and Michael... Go ahead and chop on another soap opera. That's right. We're talking about Kyrie Irving, the magician, the handles that he is. Folks, you're listening to the Sebi Podcast Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. And we've returned back here to WNSC Radio, the Sebi Podcast Show. Kyrie Irving, the bad man Kyrie Irving is. We all know how special this brother is. The wicked handles, the finishes off the glass. I've always said he's got his doctorate in finishing off the glass. This man can finish with either hand, left hand, right hand, backboard hand, whatever it may be. Kyrie Irving's just a magician at, at, at finishing off the glass. And perhaps a guru at getting buckets. Right. Yeah. His leadership. It's always been it's always been a, a topic for media. Kyrie Irving's leadership, Kyrie Irving this, Kyrie Irving that. What do you make, Mike, of all of this media attention around Kyrie Irving in light of the Boston Celtic struggles? Because Kyrie's just come out and stated that all of this is a distraction towards him. Yes, he has. He's come out and stated that, and I actually got to listen to that. Um, to the, it was about a two-minute clip of him talking to the media uh, yesterday, clearing clearing the air about why he's he's had it had it uh, his his attitude toward towards them lately. And he basically he basically was saying that he's tired of he 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 gets tired of the media. Like he doesn't he's tired of the the narratives and and all these narratives about him that aren't true and. He's tired of the media spinning things, and he's he sees firsthand now how slick they can be. Because when he was in 
his first three years in Cleveland, he didn't. The media wasn't really worried about him too much because that was the time when LeBron was in Miami. And, right. and when, when we didn't really hear too much about Kyrie Irving in the media until LeBron came back to to Cleveland, and then then we actually started to see see him talk to the media and hear, hear his voice and hear, and see that he's a deep thinker and stuff. But as far as as far as like leadership media, this is all this is all new to him. This is all everything is new. He's still grasping it. He realized that early on when he, when he early on after the game against Orlando, I, I think it was or one of the games when, when he called out his teammates. He realized that 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 was that was the wrong move because he came out the next day and and stated that I was that I made a mistake and I, I won't call my teammates out like that again. So um, and they, they're going through a rough stretch right now when when you have to deal with the media and then you're losing on the court. Like it's just it's, it's a bad feeling altogether. And, and for somebody that's still learning on the fly how to be a leader and how to lead the right way and stuff like that, he's, it's it's tough for him. And, and he's going to go through growing pains and he's going through those pains right now. You know, Rome wasn't built in one night, so. He, he, this has been a struggling season for the Celtics so far. It, it hasn't been as struggling as people uh, make it out to be, but 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 they have been going through some growing pains this year. And Kyrie Irving is just he, he's learning on the fly. I feel like that he'll get it together. I feel like he's 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 maturing as the days go by. And I and I and I see I'm I, I plan to see major improvements that starting tonight against Golden State. I don't know about you, Savvy, but um. I still believe in this Boston Celtics team when it comes down to it in the playoffs, man. I, I do because because of Kyrie Irving. You know, all the all this talk about oh, but but the team is better without Kyrie. Yeah, they got to the seven games. Nonsense. Nonsense. They, get, they, they 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 got to the, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in the Game Seven last season, but people fail to realize this one point of, of, about the about them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. They were they won one game on the road in that right. entire playoffs against Philly. Kyrie Irving was the reason that helped propel them to the number one seed so they wouldn't have to go on the road in the first round against Milwaukee. Wouldn't have to go on the road in the second round against Philly. But you know what I'm saying? So if, if they had to go on the road in, in, in those series, who knows? They may have lost in seven instead of winning in seven, and it may have been a first-round exit for that team. The fact that they had the home court advantage due to, due to what Kyrie Irving was doing last season helped them get all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and get to a Game 7, which, which, which they ended up losing their only home game. So they need Kyrie Irving to win a championship. They need Kyrie Irving to to, to, to help to help win, win games. And and I feel like I feel like they will go on a stretch run. I feel like Kyrie Irving is more motivated than anybody because in, 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 a, land, in, in a land where everybody's getting all these big-time contracts, he's still on a $90 million deal. So he's more motivated than ever. To, to make things happen in the playoffs and put this team on his back. And I expect the gladiator performance from him from now, from, from, from starting tonight against Golden State throughout the rest of the season. And, and you hit it right on the dot. Earlier on, I think it was yesterday, Kevin Durant was, you know, asked a question by media supporters and paparazzi about how the Celtics are doing. He said the Celtics will be fine from postseason time. He isn't worried about them. Um, there's always that swing for optimism. To you, is it fair for Kyrie to be under the microscope, under the spotlight against all of these struggles? Yes, the Celtics have played well. We've talked about this on numerous podcasts before. But there comes a time of acknowledgement for maybe Brad Stevens. Maybe yes. we start asking him some questions. You have Why, to. Oh. What's your thoughts on that? You, you have to. You have to start. Because it's not all on Kyrie Irving. The, the fact that Jalen, the, the, the fact that other players are not 
shooting the ball as efficiently as they as they did in the past, or the rotations might not be the best, doesn't all fall on Kyrie Irving. A lot of this goes on Brad Stevens, and 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 a lot be, because of the fact that Gordon Hayward had a nasty injury last season. We all know this, and we knew that he would come back healthy this year, but we knew he wouldn't be the Gordon Hayward that he was in Utah. We knew it was going to take him at least a year to. You know, get, get get his legs under him and get back in basketball shape, and, and get get mentally get his confidence back. So normally you would work him back slowly and ingratiate him into the lineup and, and let him get a feel for the system and stuff like that, so he can get back so he can get back to the player he is. You start off the season jumping him right into the starting lineup, assuming that he was the uh, assuming that he was the Gordon Hayward of old, which Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. Their minutes were compromised, and they, and they were mentally saying, like, whoa, hey, I'm, you saw how we dominated in this system in the playoffs last year. You saw the type of production that we put up, and you just automatically ingrat- ingratiate Gordon Hayward like it's, like it's nothing, and we have to limit our minutes. And, and, and I, that's where I think the problem right. lies, right there with Brad Smith. I've, I've said in numerous parts, I would start – Jalen right. Brown. I would start Jalen Brown just his athleticism, what he can do defensively, and we all know what he can do offensively. It's be a slasher. He doesn't need. He's not ball dominant. He doesn't need the ball to be in the flow of the offense. Um, the offense can flow with him generating the ball off of rub routes, off of plays screens, great defense, uh, getting to the basket. But defensively, what he brings Ooh. to you, you know, whether that be on switches, mm. whether that be um, moving his feet. Jalen Brown is a key piece and a key reason to what to the Boston's success and what they want to do come postseason right. time. That's what I'm saying. Those 27 minutes that that uh you know he's that Gordon Hayward is taking up right now. I'm not so sure that I would give that to Jalen. Right. Jalen Brown deserves more minutes. I, and I know that again. I know that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens guy is Gordon Hayward. But I, I think they need to have a talk with Gordon Hayward and say, you know what, in the embitterment of our team, nothing personal, I think that we're going to give those minutes to Terry. We're going to give those minutes to Morris. We're going to give those minutes to Jalen right. Brown in order for us to reach success and see what it is. And again, I think it's been a rotational thing, and I think it's been a coaching thing because when we think about Brad Stevens coming from a butler, he's always been an underdog all his life. He's never had a player like a Kyrie Irving to insert in an offense. Never had a player like a... Jason Tatum, like a Gordon Hayward, because when Gordon Hayward was in Butler, that was what? Like a two-star guy. He's made a name for himself in the NBA to become a force and a half-star, a five-star right. guy. So he's had issues dealing with stars. I think that's another key piece and the problem out there in Boston. It, def- it definitely is, man. And and like like you said, Gordon Hayward um, not, not, only, not only is Shooting is, is having a bad efficient year as far as shooting the basketball, but defensively they he, he may, they they're a, they're a slow defensive team when, when he's on the court, and it's obvious. And you you have you have other players who actually who actually love love Gordon Hayward and actually like him personally on opposing teams who are out there feeling bad for that brother. Like wow, like they they really feel bad for him because they understand this is not the same player and he's not he, this is not the same Gordon Hayward right now. So you're right. I feel like Gordon Hayward is unselfish enough to the point where if Brad Stevens came to him and said, "Look, man, I understand. I understand you came back and you're still getting your legs under you, but while you're still getting 
ingratiating and still, still uh, understanding the system and still mentally getting the confidence back in your game. We need we need we need you to come off the bench. We need you to we need you to compromise with some of your minutes to give it to some of our young stars who can help propel a cha- propel a championship here to Boston this year. I feel like he's unselfish enough where if Brad Stevens came to him and and, and brought that that observation to him, that that, that he would he would be all, he would be forthright with it. He would be okay with it. Right. I, I, I agree with that there as well. And and of course, Tyree Irving's got questions to ask. He's got career highs across yep. the board. We're talking about scoring. You're talking about field goal yep. percentage. We're talking about three-point percentage. We're talking about assists. A guy that uh, that not a lot of people think that he can be a facilitator. He's answered the bell and answered the questions. But I do think Kyrie Irving has to deal with the leadership. I do think that at times, as great I think, he can be a decent and a competent enough player defensively. There's times where he has lapses. He has questions to ask. But Brad Stevens has to be under the microscope as well. And I think Boston, going into the postseason, will have the microscope under them. Folks, when we come back, another so proper of our own. My Sebi's very on in favorite, Antonio Brown. That's right. Business is booming, Brown. And where he's putting maybe his teammates behind the back and maybe the franchise of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hello, my name is Ian Saunders with Saunders Property Group, powered by Home Expo Realty. I'm a sponsor, proud sponsor, and a big fan of the SEBI podcast show. Make sure you tune in. Just wanted to share uh, a few nuggets with you about the Central Florida real estate market. Uh, Population growth is about 7%, which is among the top in the country, especially here in Central Florida. And I got news for you. If you're a renter, average rent is about $1,600 a month. What if I told you you can purchase a home, a $200,000 home, and pay less than that? Well, we can show you how. Uh, Just wanted to... Be sure that you guys understand that at this point, interest rates have dropped to a 10-month low. So that means the money is cheap and you get more bang for your buck. So if you're looking to learn more, definitely touch bases with me. Definitely tune in to Sebi Podcast Show. And in fact, hashtag Sebi Podcast Show and I'll help you get lender credits. Pay off your closing costs. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good one. Six-round pick from Central Michigan, Antonio Brown. Since this man has come into the league and been outside of Mike Wallace's and Santonio's shoe and being under their shadow, he has been dynamite in his last seven seasons. But first, folks, my last segment here today is proud. It's sponsored by Geico. Geico Gecko. Guys, frankly, you can be human. You can even be an animal. Trust me. Don't take my word for it. Even a get-go note. Minutes can save you 15% on your car insurance, whether that be life, auto, or anything that it must be. Geico, Geico. They may be your next people that you need to call. Our partners here in Central Florida says, all of our listeners here to contact Geico for your next insurance. Mike, Antonio Brown. Let me throw some numbers here at you. Cool. Antonio Brown. 
hasn't had under 1,200 yards since 2011. This guy right here has been phenomenal. If you take account his last seven seasons, just his last seven seasons production-wise, no other receiver in the NFL compares to that outside of Jerry Rice. Anytime that you're considered an elite class like Jerry Rice, I mean, <laughs> you're doing something right. I mean, right. you're probably in the discussion of one of the best all time. Right. I have seen a lot of great receivers. Randy Moss, freakish. Megatron, freakish, talented. These these two guys, they can run. They can, they're fast. 4-3 speed with 6-5, six, 6-6 six, six frame with huge hands and just double double coverage they're open <laughs> double coverage they're open I have seen the likes of Chris Carter and Larry Fitzgerald two guys that may have the best hands of all time they're covered they're open they've got the hands you could I'll throw Odell Beckham in that as well I've seen guys like Terrell Owens who's just and, and Terrell Owens and Ocho Cinco these guys, they beat you off of the line because of their great route running skills. You know, they say that, hey, I'm going to beat you to the spot and watch me do it. And they'll do it. Antonio Brown. I would say for a short guy, I haven't seen the likes of him in a very long time. And that's what amazes me so much about him. He's got the quickness to beat you and be a great route runner, route runner that Ocho Cinco is. He's got the speed of a Tyreek Hill, of a Randy Moss or of uh, you know of um, Larry Fitzgerald and others and then he's got the aerial ability of Megatron to locate the ball up in the air he's got the aerial ability you know to work the sidelines and he's not maybe, maybe not the tallest guy in the world but because of low being low center gravity using angles and things like that to be effective and again his past seven seasons, nobody in the league has had numbers production-wise, not talent-wise, production-wise, outside of Jerry Rice and Antonio Brown. Here's another stat. Big Ben and Antonio Brown, that duo, that connection right there, seventh ranked all-time in touchdowns from receivers, from quarterbacks to receivers, seventh all-time. Yet, Antonio Brown, you want to leave Pittsburgh. My man, you know, Larry Fitzgerald said that you got it good. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, I, all, all of those years out there in the desert in Arizona, going from Kurt Warner to Carson Palmer to, you know, makeshift quarterback and uh, below average quarterbacks and still being productive. And Larry is just saying, let's say if I had these guys, I'd be production, productive as well. Sure. So, Antonio, I throw all these numbers at you. I throw all these productions. You're big time. You're elite. You're one of my favorite players to watch as a spectator. You've got Big Ben. You've got yourself. You guys are seventh rank all time amongst quarterback and wide receiver duos. Why do you want to leave a great franchise from the Rooney family out there in Pittsburgh? Why is that so? He wants to he wants to leave because he feels like it's a level of disrespect and it's a disconnection between um, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of favoritism shown the way of Big Ben Roethlisberger from the owner 
um, from from that statement when he said fifty two kids and and and, and it's, it's Ben Roethlisberger and fifty two kids. Like he feels like Ben Roethlisberger is put on a pedestal, and everybody else should just follow suit and just uh, basically attend. Well, how attend does Ben feel about this? How does Ben feel about this? Ben Ben doesn't Ben. I don't. I, to be honest with you, I don't know how Ben feels about it because on on air, especially after the Week 17 matchup against the Bengals, he came on air and said he has no he has no problem with Antonio Brown, and he um he was coming off as if he was uh, completely uh, clueless about everything Antonio Brown was talking about as far as as far as his perspective and stuff. But Ben Roethlisberger has to understand that when you call out players. Um, about a situation that that wasn't even all the way all the way his fault. Like you're calling out players, and it, it's just not it's just not right. Like Antonio Brown is your, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers for Big Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown is your equal. Antonio, like you 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 don't mean more to the Steelers than Antonio Brown. A- A- Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown is, is a better wide receiver than you are at, at the quarterback. So it's like you, they, y'all compliment, y'all really need each other. You, it's hard to, you don't, you don't just come out of the, in the media and just bash him. Oh, oh, he should have ran a better route, or he should have did this, like that. And the third, like, nah, that rub, that rubs players the wrong way, because that's something you could have kept in house. The Steelers are one of the best organizations that I've seen over the years of keeping uh, whatever the problems or struggles they have in house behind closed doors. And for Big Ben Roethlisberger to continuously come out and bash players and and in the media and stuff like that, it's uncharacteristic of the Steelers and. Antonio Brown feels the feels that you know Ben not not only does the owner not respect don't respect everybody else outside of Ben, but Big Ben Roethlisberger doesn't even doesn't even respect some of the players. So it's a disconnect between Antonio Brown and and some of the higher ups, and he feels he he feels like he wants to he wants to play like he wants to be in an environment that where he's just respected, where he's respected, and and he can play his highest ability. But like you said. Like Larry Fitzgerald said, Larry Fitzgerald said it best. Like, if I had this talent, this this quarterback with this talent offensively, I, I would love it. He's like, I don't know, I don't understand where you're coming. Larry Fitzgerald said, I don't understand where you're coming from. But the majority of why Antonio Brown is leaving has nothing to do with the actual game. It has everything to do with everything outside of the game. So I, I think that's where Antonio Brown was coming from. But I see where Larry was coming from as well because he was talking about a football. From a, from a football perspective. And, 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 and that's just not no knock to Antonio Brown. Not at all. Uh, this is this is a quarterback-driven league. You right. know, this is a league where I'm pretty sure right now, myself and yourself, we can go out there and throw 4,000 yards. You know, right. this is a quarterback league. And it's come to the point where quarterbacks have a say-so. That's the most important piece in an NFL team, although I would, you know, differentiate to that. I think a pass rusher is is uh, valuable as well but it's a quarterback driven league and think about it like this if lebron if if tony tom brady had megatron on his team mm-hmm. you know how dynamic and a great megatron is right it's a shame to see his career die off at 27 every time if tom brady had megatron as his, one of his players Megatron wants to leave. Of course, Tom Brady's going to have the last say-so. He's the quarterback. Not only that, he's the champion. He's the proven guy. We all know how polarizing Tom Brady is in the media, outside of the media, to the NFL, to back to Roger Goodell. It's it, it's just to say that 
it's no lot to Antonio Brown for leaving. But it's up to the point where, you know, Antonio, I- I'm confused. Like, the Pittsburgh Steelers doesn't want to trade you to the AFC. Right. Worst case scenario, you're going to be at the Arizona Cardinals. You're going to be with who else? You're going to be either, either with the Arizona Cardinals or the... Um, what was it? The 49ers. Right, the 49ers, what the Titans, the right, Raiders. The Titans or, or the Raiders. I mean, think about this. Like, I understand he's doing what's best for him in his career right now. But Antonio, be careful for what you wish for. Be careful for what you wish for. Kobe wasn't the same in his last, what, three to four years outside of Magic. Kyrie wasn't the same without LeBron James. Although, you know, he still got time to rewrite the history books. Russell Westbrook really wasn't the same without Kevin Durant. Although, you know, he still has time to change that as well. And he's been dynamite thus far this season. You know, MJ never won a title without Pippen. You don't leave greatness and you don't leave all-time greats thinking, hey, everything's going to be all right. And so I, I urge Antonio Brown, you know, it's no problem that you want to leave. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's, you know, the best thing for him. But I must, I, I must question this. I, I, I feel, must question this. I feel like it is the best thing for him, not only for him, but for the Steelers organization if he does get traded and go somewhere else. It, 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 Sebi, imagine how awkward it would be, not only for Ben and AP, but for everybody else in that locker room, if, a, if Antonio Brown was on this Pittsburgh Steelers team come training camp. Like that, they're like that, that would be one of the most awkward situations. It, it's almost like if Kyrie Irving was still on the Cavs after he won it out of Cleveland. Now, now this is two, two totally different situations, and, and Kyrie didn't go about this the same way AB did, and it, it's, it's two totally different situations. But it's almost like after all the hoopla and everything that happened this off season with miscommunication and uh, he says he says she say and. It's a, it's an obvious disconnect between quarterback and wide receiver. It's like it, it's come to a point where it, he has to be on another team next year. He they have to part ways with each other so they can move on and continue and continue to just and continue to propel in, in each other's careers and, and everybody can just and everybody can just be happy because it seems like that's what Antonio Brown wants in this time his career. Antonio Brown said it best in that interview. I don't need football. I want to play football, but I don't need football. If I'm gonna play, I want to play on my own rules. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a, thir- I'm a thirty million dollar man. My house is paid off. You know what I mean? He, he's saying this from a standpoint where he he doesn't want to just play play for anything or settle for less. He wants to play. He wants to maximize his potential and play in an environment that he wants to play in. And it's obvious and clear that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not that. So I I definitely expect to see him get traded. Uh, soon and, and um, we'll, we'll see how he finishes out his career and, and I, I know he's going to produce because he, he's just that type of player we, we all know when it comes down to the field we all know what he can do on the field I just want to see I want to see him on another team so we can get past this whole situation to get an analysis of how great he is and, and let's take a listen of the man himself Antonio Brown and what he had to say about his willing departure with the great Pittsburgh Steelers let's take a listen and not turn the basketball over. Keep Let's take a listen here. 
what I mean? Because when it boils down to it, like I already done everything in the NFL. Like it's nothing really I haven't done. I made the contracts. I made the money. I really made the records. You know, I, I really led the league in all three categories: receiving yards, reception, touchdown. So, at the end of the day, for me, you know, it's bigger than just the game that we play a ball. You know, it's about the respect of people and the camaraderie. You know, I would like to know the guy. You know, I work for got my best interest. I would like to know the team got my best interest. But when it comes to business in the NFL and football, you know, it's a business. So in business, you know, some things are not personal. So for me, you know, it's not personal between me and no organization. And just where I'm at now, you know, you know, it's just, you know, you either helping me build or you stopping me. So it's like, what are we doing? That's interesting that you say it's not personal. It feels personal, but it's more about the fact that not personal or not. Yeah. It's not personal. You tell them that? Of course. I met with Mr. That was Antonio Brown there speaking of the reasons why he wants to leave the Pittsburgh Steelers team right there. And your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, um, I like what he said there. The only thing I don't agree with the fact is when he said he's accomplished everything. You never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say never, that. He hasn't never, won a Super Bowl yet. Yeah, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Yeah, you haven't won a Super Bowl yet. But, and, and, so basically what he was saying is as far as accomplished, accomplished, uh, Accomplishing things in the NFL, he stated that he stated everything that he's done individually. Individual accolades. He did have a Super Bowl appearance, and he did have a Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl Forty-Five, where the the Steelers lost to Aaron Rodgers when he won his first Super Bowl ring. Jordy Nelson, eight receptions for one forty. But at the same time, he hasn't accomplished everything because he hasn't, you know, gotten a Super Bowl ring. That's what. Your your legacy is defined by Jerry right. Rice, the greatest of all time. He has four, you know what I'm saying, and and he has all of the wide receiver records. Antonio right. Brown, yes, your last seven season compares to Jerry Rice, and you are a big time. You got exactly. the boys to support it and back it up. You haven't yeah, accomplished yeah. everything, and this is why I question again: Why would you want to leave the Pittsburgh Steelers? What? I, why would you, you know, want to leave a franchise like that? You've got Juju Smith-Schuster to alleviate the double coverage that you get. Why, you, you've got Le'Veon Bell, although he wants to leave. But in the past couple of seasons, you had that. And again, I ask, be careful for what you wish for. Be careful yeah. for what you wish. That's true. That's true. And it bows back to what Larry Fitzgerald was saying. You know, and, and that's why his comments were were, were powerful and, and, and were very true to some aspect because he kept a football. He was talking strictly on the field. He's right. You're not gonna give me. It's not. It's not too many good situations out there like what the Steelers have as, as far as offensive firepower. I mean, you add Antonio Brown to this mix. This this offense is a juggernaut. And don't get me started on how much of a juggernaut they were when Le'Veon Bell was there. Oh, oh boy. So you add Antonio Brown to this mix. Like, come on. Now, you, it's not too many good, too many situations out there in the NFL like Pittsburgh. So I, I understand that. But yeah, yeah. So he he's, he he has achieved a lot of records, and he's broken a lot of records. And individually, yes, he has achieved a lot for himself in his career. But like you said, legacies come down to Super Bowl titles, and he's yet to he's yet to, to get that. Like Dan Marino, for example, he's he, he's one of the top quarterbacks to ever play this game. But the reason we don't talk about him in, in the lights of Tom Brady's and uh, the Steve Youngs and the Joe Montana's is because he never won a Super Bowl ring. So you you have a great you make a great point about that legacy. Being being off the Super Bowl, and I see it. I, depending on the team and the situation he gets put in, he's a great enough player where he can help 
he can definitely help help a team win a Super Bowl. Definitely so. And, and and you talk about my personal best fit would be Indianapolis. The Steelers have come out said he, they don't want him to be in the AFC. They know how big time Antonio Brown is and don't want him to torch him. Um, I, 49ers would be interesting. You got Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got Marquise Goodwin. You've got, you know, Dante Pettis. He's an emerging guy. I watched a lot of his games out there in Washington in the Pac-12. And then, you know, maybe they've got another because the 49ers have cap space to perhaps get two max deal players. You can get Antonio Brown and maybe Le'Veon Bell. Now you got yourself something. Now the 49ers, maybe the Bay Area excellence is back. So we'll, we'll see. That, that'd be an interesting thing. You got the Arizona Cardinals who said that they want to come out and get um, Kyler Murray. That's another discussion for another day. Uh, Kings uh, Kingsbury with the relation with Kyler Murray. Maybe you can add him a pairing up with Larry Fitzgerald and Antonio Brown. Boy, what exciting that would be. Um, so it, it, there there are, you know, enticing pieces, but I, I it's, it's just to me, this is a, a big risk for Antonio Brown. But again, he's made all the money in the world. He, made, he doesn't need football. He's done everything outside of a Super Bowl. Maybe after he gets the Super Bowl, he wants to, you know, retire and things like that. One thing's for sure. The big guy and the soap opera that Kyrie, LeBron, and Antonio Brown are. The media, the paparazzi, and the microscope will always surround themselves. Thank you guys listening to the Savvy Podcast show today. Again, if you miss any of our episodes, you can always listen to us in all streaming media platforms. We got them for you. You want content, we got them. For myself and Michael Gray and the entire cast here of the Savvy Podcast show, we want to stay so long from now. Until next time. And this is Sebi Podcast. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.